my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our midweek Bible study. Why don't you take your Bibles and meet me in Matthew chapter 22. Let's drop on down to verse 15 today and talk about red hot envy. I have a feeling that many of you will be able to identify with today's message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would quicken your word that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures that we can take them and walk in the light of them and walk above envy and jealousy and all of these works of the flesh. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your blessing and your grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Before we jump into today's message, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who's been sowing into this two special projects of the ministry that we have right now. We have the ministry aviation hangar that we're working towards, and we also have the ministry fence to go around the perimeter of the ministry property. Uh, two separate projects, but I appreciate that you're taking the time to sow into those. And I'm believing that the Lord is going to do some mighty miracles of blessing in your life, beautiful harvest in your life. So thank you for supporting the general purpose of the ministry. But from time to time, we also have special projects. And so thank you for sowing into those two special projects. Praise God. If you're curious about them, they're on the ministry website. You can find more there at stephenbrooks.org. Now verse 15, then the Pharisees went, and plotted, planned, schemed. They got together and made these plans. What were they plotting, Pastor Stephen? How they might entangle him in his talk. Oh, it's easy to be an armchair critic, to sit back and maybe watch a presidential debate or, you know, the, the election process of seeing who's going to be the nominee to run against the president. And it's easy to sit back and think, oh, they could have said that better, or they could have worded that better. But when you're actually up on the platform, when you're actually up on the stage with all of these cameras in, in front of you, and knowing that everything that you say is going to be critiqued, it's going to be analyzed, it's going to be scrutinized. It's a totally different ball game. So what Jesus was facing every day of his ministry, when his ministry started, what he was facing was really high levels of intense persecution. And the greater the blessing that there is on your life, you have to be aware that the enemy is not going to be thrilled or happy about that. So he's going to send various forms of persecution against you. And that's okay. We're not afraid of persecution or anything like that. But you have to know that as the Lord lifts you up, there will come specialized attacks against you. Uh, the ancient Greeks in the study of knowledge and of study of wisdom, they had a saying uh, many, many years ago, a couple thousand years ago, that the tallest tree is the one that gets struck by the lightning. So the higher you are, the more, the more they're going to take shots at you. Why? Because, because of the influence that you have. And you just need to be aware of things like that because God's blessing is lifting you, lifting you, lifting you. And you need to know what you're facing every day. This is why right now we're having the 21 day prayer challenge, which is to get up every day for 21 days straight. Okay, we're still on the beginning phase of this. So if you're watching this and hey, you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, this is the first time I've heard about it. Well, you could start next morning if you want to join us. Okay, but we're still in the early phases, just a couple days into it of going 21 days straight, getting up every morning at three 
uh, uh, actually, we're meeting at 3.33 in the morning, okay? Uh, now, when I say we're meeting, you know, we're doing that in the spirit. You know, I'm here in North Carolina. You may be on the other side of the world, the other side of the country, or, you know, a neighboring state or something like that in a different time zone. But whatever it is in, in, in your part of the world, we're being at that spot of devotion at 3.33 in the morning because 3, 3.33 uh, correlates with the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 33. And the Lord wants us to call unto Him, and He'll show us great and mighty things that we're not even aware of, that we don't even know about. And God will lay out your plan, and He'll help you to command your day, and He'll help you to structure and order your day supernaturally but he'll also bring divine protection guidance and grace into your life when you walk with him so for 21 days straight getting up early in the morning being at your prayer post at 3:33 in the morning and praying for one hour okay because Jesus said could you not tarry one hour so you can go one hour now if you need some more sleep after that uh, and grab a little more sleep before you go to work that's totally fine but at least at least go one hour if you want to do this 21-day prayer challenge with us. Now, of course, some of you, you're more developed in the Spirit. And so an hour, um, you know, that's not like a big meal for you. That's more like a snack. So, hey, you're, you're free to go as long as you want. Have a good time in the Lord. Glory to God. But we're just asking that you would go an hour. Now, some of you that are new to this, I think that what you're starting to find out is that uh, you're getting a good gauge of what kind of shape you are in spiritually. And maybe you're thinking, oh, wow, Pastor Stephen, I'm glad you're doing this because I really have realized I'm not in very good spiritual shape. Well, that is one of the main reasons that I'm doing this so that you could be fit spiritually. I'm not, I'm not concerned about the physical stuff or, you know, your soul development in a sense. You know, you, you have a lot of other good teachers that will teach you that. You can learn exercise and all that stuff elsewhere. Although I have some knowledge on that, that's not my, my thrust of my teaching ministry. My ministry is to get you in shape spiritually. And so by getting up early and seeking the Lord, uh, you get a good gauge very quickly of where you're at. But you see also how quickly you can progress in a walk with God. Woo, far faster than you ever could make progress in any form of exercise or, you know, things like that. So it's really, really good. So please join me every morning. Get up early and join me. Be at your prayer post at 333, okay? 333 a.m. is the hour of divine secrets revealed. Let me say this, um, how, just to share a little light. Uh, the things of God are by grace. But you still have to pursue the Lord. Remember, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, technically they're actually called grace gifts. They're given by grace. And so somebody might say, well, then if they're by grace, if God wants me to have them, you know, it's just up to him. I'll just let him do whatever he wants to do. But at the same time, Paul said, earnestly desire with a burning desire that you may have the gifts of the Spirit. So, you know, there's two sides of every coin. So there's grace, but you also have to have pursuit and go after the Lord, go after the things of God. And so on, on the dark side, I know that those that don't know the Lord that, that move in what would be called spiritism, uh, I know that they're all up right around, you know, by 3.30 in the morning, or at least at the latest by 3.45, they're all up praying. Any, any yogi 
that that practices that spiritual walk. Now that that's all darkness, okay? But even still, any of any yogi is going to be up almost all night at least by three forty-five praying. The Dalai Lama, he's up every morning at three o'clock doing his form of prayer, okay? And you know, astral travel in the spirit and stuff like that. So th- this is just normal, okay? Over on the dark side, that's just normal. They know that if you want to walk in that realm of spiritual power, they have to do that. And the further you get in the witchcraft, the more the evil spirits demand of you. And some some of the higher up witches and warlocks, they have to stay up all night. Now, all of that stuff is law legalism on the dark side. They have to do it. They can't get the power and they have to do it even if they don't want to do it. Okay. So what we're doing is we're in the light. We're walking with the Lord, but there is still, there's still an element of pursuit. Praise God. So if you want to connect with the Lord and connect with him, seek him out of love, but still you need to seek him. If you really love him, you would, you would want to go after the Lord. Praise God. So there, there are things going on in the early morning that are not going on at any other time of the day. And you can pray later if you want. I also pray later. I pray in the evening. Pray whenever I get some free time. Praise the Lord. But there's something special in the early morning hours, right around 3.30, that even those in the dark realm, they, they, they know that it's just like, it's easier for them to do what they do. And as a child of God, and I've talked with many prophets around the world also, uh, usually they're up at that time too. That's the time it's going on. Praise the Lord. You may think ain't nothing happening, but that's because it's real quiet in the natural, but in the spiritual, you are commanding your day. You're structuring and ordering your day before the sun ever comes over the horizon. And by the way, when you have Pharisees plotting how they might entangle you in your talk, knowing that they're ready to meet you the moment you walk out that door or show up at that temple, like Jesus going to the temple, oh, they're, they're ready for you. They, not only that, you're going against a whole group of them. Okay, so you really need the anointing of God. You really need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. You really need to uh, come out strong. And you can't get that, you know, just, you know, walking into the day, just hoping everything works out. You really need to spend time with the Lord. I know those on the dark side do that. Now, I know it's all worthless. It's all a waste. And I also know that, let me say this, just to also bring balance from a New Testament perspective, that a baby Christian who's only been born again or saved for 30 minutes has more authority over every demon in hell and over Satan himself because Christ has delegated his authority to the church and we are the church. So I'm not intimidated by that, but I, you know, in the Western culture, people are just like oblivious of evil powers and they are very, very real. And the closer you get to the Lord, you realize there is a cosmic battle for souls and it's winner take all. It's either heaven or hell. And this thing becomes very, very real when you draw close to the Lord and you realize there are dark powers and they do have power. But we thank God that God's power is greater. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But I, I think we really need to be sober in the days that we are living in and not just walk through life like, la, la, you know, whatever happens, happens. Well, whatever happens could be a disaster. So we're not going to let that command our day. We're going to let our time with the Lord and uh, orchestrating our day in the spirit and in the word. We're going to set that up and we're going to have a great day every single day, day after day. Praise the Lord. So um, that's my little, my little spiel before we continue on in today's message. From my perspective, uh, 
from my perspective also. Um, I think when I talk about these things, honestly, it's just standard Christianity. It's basic Christianity. And in other... And in other persecuted countries where there is real threat and you really do have to hear from God and you really could lose your life and get martyred if you're just if you're not careful, you have to walk into that day really, really prayed up. And so this is normal. This is par for the course all over the world. It's it's a fat, spiritually lazy, totally out of shape, anemic spiritual culture that just says, Ah, you know, you're good to go. God loves you. You know, you're ready for heaven. Well, yes, you're ready for heaven because his, his righteousness is your righteousness. But, you know, we've got a lot to do and there's a lot going on. Woo, hallelujah. So, you know, I could talk more about that, but I want to go a certain direction today of what we're talking about with this thing of envy. But my friends, pursue the Lord. Get up early and pursue the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, I like to pray at night. Well, that's fine. Get up early in the morning and get some sleep and then pray in the afternoon or night or whatever you want to do. But you'll tap into a unique anointing early in the morning. And you should because it says here, then the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. They're ready to meet him. You need to be ready. Now, let's go over to Mark chapter 12. Mark 12, verse 13. Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees. And the Herodians to catch him in his words. Woo! Th th these are law experts, legal experts, those that have much of the Bible memorized, if not the entire Word of God, and they're just looking for a way to trap him. Now, what I'm going to show you is amazing. I'm going to briefly go through the, all four Gospels. You'll see it's in all four. So if it's in all four, it's very, very important that we are aware of this. Mark chapter 11, verse 53 says, Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. That would be verse 52, now verse 53. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things. Cross-examine him about many things. How would you like to walk into your day and be cross-examined? Uh, they're just ready to, they're ready to engage you. Well, Pastor Stephen, my life is really not like that. But what if it were? Mm -mm. Verse 54, they were lying in wait for him. And seeking to catch him in something, he might say that they might accuse him. Would you give them ammunition? Are there things coming out of your mouth that if they caught it on a recording, they could say, we've got you. We're going to bring this, unless you shut down your gospel testimony, we're going to make this public. Are there things coming out of your mouth? Are there things that you're saying that if they were captured, people, enemies of the cross, could take your words and use them against you? Well, Pastor Stephen, um, yeah, there probably are. Well, then you need, to, you need to be prepared for this just so that you're not defeated in this area. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Luke chapter 20, let's continue on. Luke chapter 20, verses 19 and 20 say, And the chief priest and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. They're trying to grab his 
words, anything that they can use against him. Um, they're just looking for him to drop something that's maybe misquoted or wrong statement or an unbiblical statement, but he never made one mistake. And if they, if they could have got him on something, they would. Now they took some of the things he said out of context like the rebuilding of the temple and things like that. They thought he's talking about the physical temple. He's actually talking about his body. So, you know, that they twisted some things, but all in all, they couldn't get him on anything. Let's go to uh, the final gospel, which would be John chapter eight, verse six. This, they said, testing him, this would be the religious leaders, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. So in all four Gospels, it's laid out very uh, clearly. They were really trying to snare him, how? With his words. And every day, that's what he's walking into. Situations where they have already been plotting and planning, how can we catch him in his words? How can we bait him into a conversation or bring him into something where we can get him to verbally stumble and then use that against him to uh, defame him, to, uh, you know, basically say he said this and this is obviously wrong. So, you know, you know, let's say he's a doctrinally wrong or incorrect or things like that, but also to publicly humiliate and embarrass him. Well, they really gave it their best opportunities. Why? Why was this happening to Jesus? Well, why would it happen to you? I believe that the same reason that these things were taking place with Jesus, this, these attacks on his life, which even led eventually to his crucifixion, I believe we need to understand this because these things can, they can drift over into your life and you need to know what's going on, know what the spirit is behind it so that you can know how to pray and also know how to be prepared. Matthew chapter 27, let's go down to verse, let's go to verse 17. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas? Or Jesus, who is called Christ, for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Wow. I mean, even Pilate knew that. He knew they had handed Jesus over, not because he's a sinner, not because he's broken Mosaic law, not because he's, you know, he's broken Roman law. They're, they're just, they're, they're doing all of this because they're envious of him. Wow. Hallelujah. You must be aware of the spirit of envy that would try to work against your life. Verse 19, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man. Some translations say with that innocent man, for I have suffered many things today in the dream because of him. Well, they all knew, hey, this guy's he's, he's blameless. We can't get him on anything. And the only reason he was crucified, because really Pilate wanted to let him off the hook, was because the Jewish leaders kept pushing, crucifying, crucifying. And eventually Pilate just, you know, he coward, cowardly gave up and gave in, and he gave the order for the crucifixion. But you have to be aware of the spirit of envy, and you need to know how to deal with it, because sometimes you have to... You have to still engage those that are operating in that spirit, but other times it could be different. I remember when Dr. Uh, Peter J. Daniels, the Christian, multi -bus uh, uh, Christian businessman who's a multi-billionaire from Australia, he shared the testimony of how when he got into real estate, the Lord just began to bless him, and he got really good at real estate, and it seemed like he 
was just getting all the listings. Well, all the other realtors in the big city uh, just began to get envious of him because he's getting all the listings and he's, you know, that, that, that's what a realtor really wants. You want listings and you want clients and so forth. Well, they're all, they're all going to him and he's getting them. Now, if you ever listen to his teaching tapes, he tells you how he got all of those leads and he tells you how he got all of his clients. And the funny thing about it, he said it was, it was so easy that it was like taking literally, he said it was like taking candy from a baby. That's how easy he found a way as a realtor to get people to list with him. I'm not going to tell you what that method was because that's a different subject, but people began to get so envious of him, the people being the other, other realtors, that the other real estate companies in the city with the leading realtors, they called a meeting together and they demanded that he come to the meeting and you, you know, and explain what he's doing. And, uh, you know, because they were very, very upset that he's got like, you know, 90% of the business in a very large city. And they were, you know, since he had started doing this, he's just exploding. And he's really good at it. So their business has dwindled and they're, you know, they're, they're just all envious. So about 300 realtors showed up for the meeting and they're already just to tear into him and cross examine him and verbally tear him up. And the meeting was set for seven o'clock and they're ready. They're ready for him to show up. And he never showed up and he never, he never even came. And the next day, a couple of those realtors saw him and said, how come you didn't come to the meeting? He said, he said, I'm not under your whims and your control. He said, I have no interest in your meeting. I don't, I don't really care what you think about me. I'm blessed by the Lord. And obviously you're just envious of me. So why would I go to a silly meeting like that? <laughs> and they're like, you mean you just rejected us and didn't come? He's like, yes, exactly. I don't need to come. I don't answer to you. I answer to the Lord. And so he didn't even go. They didn't know, they didn't know what to think of him. Uh, but he just continued to climb higher and higher and higher in the Lord. Now he was respectful, but he's like, no, I don't, I don't need to answer to you. I don't need to go before all of you and tell you why I'm blessed and maybe perhaps why you're not. That's, you know, I'm living my life and God's blessing me. And so I don't have to answer to you. And all they were was envious. That's all it was. Mm. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, okay, a thief, a murderer, or Jesus, who is called Christ, for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Envy, 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 envy. That's why the Jewish leaders crucified Christ. Now I know that I, I that some some messianic teachers they they don't like that. They they want to say, no, the Jews didn't kill Jesus. The Romans did. Well, the Romans did it, but because they only gave in to the Jewish leaders. And Pilate was really wanting to let Jesus off the hook. And so I think it is interesting in the book of Acts chapter 2. I'll just read this to you briefly because I, I just believe the Bible. I know some people don't want to say some things. Some Messianic Christian leaders, they don't want to say that the Jews killed Jesus because they think it's an anti-Semitic statement. But I'll just read what the Bible says. Acts chapter 2 verse 22. Men of Israel... But we know who that's referring to. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death. 
uh, that's what Peter said. Uh, well, by the way, Peter was Jewish. That's what Peter, a Jewish man, said that the, the people of Israel, the men of Israel, did to Jesus. He said, you crucified. You, you've crucified your own Messiah. Verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know, okay, let all the house of Israel, the Jewish people, let all the house of Israel know, that's the leaders of Israel, let them know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Again, Peter said, you, you guys, um, you've, you've killed your own Messiah. You, you murdered him. You killed him. And, of course, verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. <laughs> and they were like, whoo, I mean, it hit them, the, the reality of what they, they had done. And so they were like, uh, what, what do we need to do? And he said, well, let's begin, you know, with basically you have to repent, <laughs> you know, and then it's basically the, the salvation experience that he leads them into. But, but also Paul brings it out even more fully still. If you go into Romans chapter six, and I realize this, that in a sense also, not just the Jews put him on the cross, but honestly, I put Jesus on the cross. And so did you, our sins is what put Christ on that cross. And so I don't try to um, dodge that because I sure know that I had sinned and that Jesus was the only one that could fix my sin problem. So he went to the cross for me and he went to the cross for you. So I know also that I'm the one that put him up there and we all put him up there. So we, we just face that reality and we thank God for grace and for mercy and we receive it. Woo. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we all put him up there. Praise God. So at the same time though, we're not going to dodge what the Bible says. If that's what the Bible says, we believe that and we embrace that. Praise God. Now, let me go back one more time to Matthew chapter 27, and let me read that to you again. That would be the 18th verse, Matthew 27, verse 18. For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. You, you need to be prayed up so that you know how to deflect these spirits of envy that work through people that unknowingly, maybe sometimes knowingly, yield to these evil spirits. Now, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil that work through people, sometimes even Christians, that yield to these evil spirits. And you need to know how to deal with it. Praise God. That's why it's very, very important to get up early in the morning and pray so that should you go into work, and there's a lot of envy being manifested towards you. Maybe you just got a raise. Maybe you just got a bonus. Maybe you got lifted up to a very lofty position, and now there's envy just, I mean, you can feel it. You need, you need to know how to deal with that. But if you just walk into things like this with Pharisees and Sadducees and people that are so full of envy, and you just walk in there like, hey, it's just a normal day, you're really, you'll, you'll sense it. You can feel it. You, you, you can feel the hatred, and you need to know how to deal with that so that you can diffuse that, deflect that, and not let that take your peace. Praise the Lord. Now, let's describe just for a moment the definition of envy. What is envy? Envy is to feel displeasure and ill will at another's success. Now, I'm going to get to jealousy in just a moment. Jealousy is a little bit different. It's actually a subgroup of envy. But envy, again, is to feel displeasure and ill will at another person's success. Woo! Praise the Lord. They're upset. 
They don't like it. They don't like it that you're succeeding or something like that. Uh, one minister, he has a rather large home, and he has received criticism because of his home. And, you know, he said something very interesting. He said, the criticism is not so much that I have that home. The criticism is really, in reality, they wish that they had my home, but they don't have it. Woo! And that's, that's true. That, that's what the envy is. They're actually wanting something that they don't have, and it makes them mad. And they're mad that you have it, and they don't. Mm. So they're experiencing displeasure, ill will toward you because of your success. Praise the Lord. Now, jealousy. Jealousy can have a couple of different facets. Let's talk about the first one. Jealousy is wanting the affection and the attention that is being shown to someone else. Okay, again, jealousy is wanting that attention or the affection that is being shown to someone else. And you're like, I want that. I want that to be displayed towards me. Not, that's not right that they're getting all of that. Okay, that's jealousy. <laughs> oh, my. It's all yucky stuff, isn't it? Uh, jealousy is also a desire to have the same thing that they have. But even if you get it, you're still not happy because it's not working out for you that the way it's working out for them. You, you, you're jealous, but you, you may even get it, but it's like, it's not, it's, it's, it's not, you're not even having fun with it, but yet they're, they're over there having a great time and everything's just like working wonderful. Why, why is it not working for me? Why am I not having the same sensation? And so there's jealousy also related from that aspect. But it's all, it's all a yucky, yucky mess. Remember in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, really in Galatians 5, you have the nine gifts, well, not, not gifts, that's 1 Corinthians 12. Galatians chapter 5, you have the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Nine beautiful fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, right after the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit, you have the twelve works of the flesh, known by theologians sometimes as the dirty dozen. Okay? And uh, they're, they're all yucky. They're just all a big nasty mess. But there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, when it's describing the 12 works of the flesh, you have to understand that envy is listed with murder right next to it. Woo! Envy and murder. They, they go together. So now, jealousy is also in there. It's over, over to the left a little bit. So if jealousy is described sometimes through the color of green, you ever heard that green jealousy? Well, we really, if we're going to kind of maybe paint envy, envy is going to be red because envy, this displeasure, and really getting upset at somebody else's success, it's also associated with what can go to rage, Watch out. Many times that rage has even turned into a murderous spirit. It's happened many times throughout biblical history, and it even happens in our modern day world. What a, what a horrible thing. What a, what a disgusting thing. We really want to watch out for this thing of envy. This thing of envy is very, very yucky. Now, Cain actually killed his brother Abel. Why? Because God refused Cain's offering because it, it's not what God wanted. It's not what God asked for, but God accepted Abel's offering. 
and Abel, you know, being a tender, uh, take uh, one who took care of sheep, uh, he brought, you know, the sheep and so forth. He did the things that God wanted. And so God's happy with him. And so Cain, his face drops down, his countenance drops, and he begins to get envious. And he gets, he gets so envious that his brother was accepted, he was rejected. And, and the Lord told him, the Lord came and talked to him and said, uh, Cain, sin's crouching at the door. If you do the right thing, you'll be rewarded. But, you know, you're, you, you know, you better straighten up. But he was so envious of his brother's approval and his disapproval. He was so envious. What did he do? He murdered. He murdered his brother. Mm. Wow. Envy and murder go together. This envy and this rage and anger. They can go together. I was, I was somewhere, I can't remember where, somewhere locally, some years back. This was probably about 10 years ago. Excuse me. And ran into a, a, a local businessman, Christian, so-called spirit-filled businessman. You know, some of these guys, they can talk in tongues, shout, holler, but um, they, they'd steal you blind, rob you blind, and uh, no ethics in their finances, rip, rip you off, rip their mother off. They, they wouldn't lose any sleep over. And um, he seemed, he seemed uh, upset. He Actually, he looked angry. I said, brother, uh, I just kind of crossed his path. I was going somewhere, and I saw him going somewhere. I said, brother, you, are you okay? I mean, he looked red. He looked red. I said, brother, you okay? He said, it's not right. I said, what's not right? What are you talking about? He said, that pastor, and he, uh, he mentioned, uh, it's actually an evangelist. He called him a pastor. That evangelist, I just found out, I just heard somebody gave him $5 million. That's not right. You know, you, you know what's making that guy mad? You know what's making him angry? It's not that... It's not that he got $5 million, his other very godly minister got $5 million so he could preach the gospel. The businessman could care less if the gospel's preached. That doesn't move him. What he's angry about, what he's envious about is he didn't get the $5 million. He thought he should have the $5 million. Let the heathen go to hell. He deserves $5 million. Not, not the Christian man over there who's preaching the gospel around the world, literally laying his life down with blood, sweat, and tears for the salvation of souls, and somebody gave him $5 million. But this guy's over here mad because somebody gave a man of God $5 million. He's so mad, he looked like he, he, he would, I mean, he would get into a physical confrontation with a man of God. Just made him mad. Made him mad. Mm. Well, Jesus ran into stuff like that, too. I mean, they tried, they tried to throw him off of a cliff. <laughs> they, tried, they tried to kill him. They plotted how they could kill him. And I mean, they had a, there's death plots against Jesus consistently. And the, the angels of God just protected him. And sometimes he just walked right through the crowd, you know, and, um, and, and uh, just all this baloney that the devil does. You have to realize when you're walking with the Lord, there is a hedge of protection around about you. Don't go outside of the hedge, though. You stay in that hedge, stay in that wall, and the enemy, he can flail and get mad and huff and puff and bark and grovel, and it, it doesn't matter. He can't touch you. Just walk with the Lord, and you're protected. But uh, all, that, all that yucky stuff is out there. Uh, you know, I actually told that businessman, I said, I said, hey, I said, that's a wonderful thing. That is an absolute wonderful thing that that minister was given five billion dollars I said think of all the souls he's going to win and all he could say that's oh, not right somebody gave him that much money mm. 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 
Now, if somebody gave him that much money, he'd probably spend $4.9 million on himself and give the rest away for something that maybe he'd just throw him a few peanuts. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. Praise the Lord. Cain killed Abel out of envy. Praise God. Watch out for the envious spirit because God's lifting you up. Watch out for it. Hallelujah. Don't walk into your day not prayed up. There's some people out there. They're, they're so jealous. They're so envious. They would love to get you tangled up and uh, get you to say something. They want to get you worked up. And see, here's the purpose of envy. The, the spirit of envy actually wants to throw a wet towel on your joyful experience. That's what envy wants to do. It wants to take away from you your rightful blessing of happiness and peace and joy and strip that away from you and make you feel miserable like they are. But don't go for it. You stay happy. You stay blessed. You keep walking with the Lord and everything is going to be just fine in your life. And the Lord is going to lift you, lift you higher, higher and higher. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Samuel chapter 18, one of the classic examples in the Bible of envy just really gone out of control. First Samuel chapter 18, verse 6. Now what happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as, as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry. See, you see how envy and anger, they go together. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me, they've ascribed only thousands. Hmm, that's not right. What's, what is he going to have next? He's going to probably take my kingdom. Hmm, and, and then... From then on, you know, then on uh, Saul, it's just a complete mess. Well, he already was in, in the first place, but that's, you know, just Saul was a very insecure person. And, you know, that, that's just something that, you know, already being a man of the flesh. Remember, these are works of the flesh. That's just something that um, just ran wild in his life, ran wild for him. And so, of course, you know what happened. Uh, there'd be times David's trying to play the harp to get call, uh, get Saul, King Saul relaxed because he's got a tormenting spirit. But that spirit of envy would get so strong on Saul, he'd grab a javelin, grab a spear, and just hurl it at David. And was literally not, not playing around. He's trying to kill, trying to pin David to the wall. Wow. Okay, now this is something that you need to know. Whenever envy is being expressed to you in a way where words like javelins and spears are being hurled at you, then no assuredly that promotion and lifting up is right around the corner for you because it's right after this that David just began to ascend higher and higher and then there's a break where David's he has to branch off and split off from Saul and then Saul's kingdom is going down 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 and David is going up 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 okay so watch that if things are being hurled at you like spears of words and you know it's coming out of an envious heart know that God has promotion he has promotion for you and you, you have to know how to handle that you have to know how to handle it because even with this going on it says that David still conducted himself wisely he would go in he would go out and he was acting in such wisdom and it says when Saul saw how he was behaving himself how David was conducting himself it says he, great fear came upon him 
Wow, it brought great conviction. Now, those that operate in an envious spirit want to see you get all scattered and, you know, get all frantic and get all upset. But when you stay composed and you walk in the peace of God, and you can't do that without prayer, okay? And they can tell that all that junk is not affecting you. You know what it does? It, it exposes them that, hey, yes, you are in the flesh, and they're going to do, and you are going up higher and higher, and they know that they're in the wrong, and there's an element of the vengeance of the Lord that will swing back and touch them unless they repent for doing those types of things. This is very, very real. We saw what happened to Cain. We saw what happened to Saul. And also with the Pharisees, they plotted to kill Jesus. Why? Envy. Envy that was exposed in such a way that even Pilate, a sinner, a Gentile, could just look at the situation and say, you, you know, the only reason you guys want to kill him is because of envy. And you know why the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the Jews, you know why they envied Jesus? Because he had one of the greatest things that people want. He had true honor. I mean, they would say things to Jesus. The people would say things like, Hosanna in the highest. And they would bestow honor and true respect upon Jesus and the religious leaders wanted that so bad but they knew that there were a bunch of frauds they knew that there were a bunch of covetous people but yet they wanted the honor so bad and so any honor they had was fraudulently gained but everything that Jesus had was righteously gained and it ate them up because they they also knew on the inside what he has is actually what we want and we can't have it and he's actually getting it and it just burned them up on the inside he had the largest ministry he had the greatest followers and he had the miracles he had the validation of God he had the signs and wonders but he also had the deepest respect and reverence of the people why they knew he was the real deal they knew he was the real deal and the Pharisees that's really what they wanted the most and they just saw it all heaped on Jesus. And they actually said, you know, the whole world's run after him. <laughs> oh, and they sat down. Well, what are we going to do about it? Well, I'll tell you what. Well, what else, what else could we do? Let's just kill him and get rid of him. So, and even Pilate saw that. The only reason you guys want me to kill him is because you're envious of him. <laughs> so, you know, the Lord, he had to deal with that. You'll, you'll feel that at times. Not all the time. Sometimes you'll be around people that love you and just, you know, they do think you're wonderful. They see you for the blessing you are. But you'll have others that are either immature or misinformed or just don't know what they're doing. And so they could yield to envy and uh, even jealousy and things along that line. But you know what? Just love the people, just love people and keep on going. Here's the thing about when you get prayed up and you go into your day. It's one of the most amazing things. It, it, you, would you like a supernatural thing to happen to you? Okay, do this. Get prayed up really good. I, I'm talking real good. Get up early. Get up early in the morning before sun ever comes up. Get up at 333. Join me at 333. At least do it for 21 days. Walk into your day. Watch this you want a supernatural miracle watch how you go in the situations and you, maybe you run into envious people maybe you run into people that just want to engage you verbally somehow but yet yet because you've prayed the Holy Spirit governs your mouth and you know after the conversation was over, you think, wow, if that had just been my normal self, I'd have probably blabbed something that would have really messed that up. 
And you know what? You would have. But there's something about having spent time in the presence of the Lord that you're not baited. You're not, you're not led into it by the flesh. And sometimes uh, you talk and you just diffuse it and nothing ever happens because you diffuse it. You stay calm or whatever it is. Or the Lord gives you words to kind of, you know, if you have to engage them like Jesus did at times with the Pharisees, you just hold your own and they, they can't overthrow you verbally. You hold your own. And other times, there's other times uh, the Holy Spirit will just say, don't even talk to them because they're not, they're not going to listen. Just like Jesus said, let the blind follow the blind. And so just go this way. Don't even, don't even answer the questions because they're never going to get it anyhow. It's not a matter of you giving them a hundred scriptures. They're still not going to obey. So it's just, it's just amazing that when you walk close with the Lord, there's times he tells you what to say. And there's other times he just holds you back and you know, don't say anything. Or say very, very little. And you walk away from it thinking, that wasn't me. That, I don't have that, that of grace to do that. That's God governing literally the words that come out of my mouth. Whether to speak or not speak. To say a lot or hardly say anything. Or just not engage at all. I mean, it, it is raw, supernatural. It really is the grace of God. And, you know, just get up early and pray and you'll see it happen. You'll see it happen actually on a regular basis. And the Lord needed that because this, this is stuff that he was running into, you know, on a regular basis with those that were envious. And of course, as we see the envious, you know, also related to anger and stuff like that. Paul ran into it on a constant basis. And sadly with Paul, and I won't say it's sad because it was part of also his development and what God allowed him to go through. But with Paul, a lot of the envy was even in the church. Because when he was locked up in prison, he said, there are some that are preaching out of, out of like their own selfish ambition, kind of like spiting Paul that he's in jail, but yet we're out here really doing. And Paul's like, oh, well, you know, at least the gospel's preached, whether the motives are right or wrong, you know, God will sort all that out later. But uh, it's just amazing that people would be so, in the church, ministers would be so crude that they would even in a sense, mock Paul while he's in prison, the great man of God. Why would they do that? Because they're envious of him. Mm, praise the Lord. But my friends, keep your eyes on the Lord. God has a special path, a special plan for you, a great destiny. He's taking you into high places. And because of that, because of that lifting up, there will be those that will be envious. Don't worry about it. Just keep on going. Serve the Lord. Uh, you know, bless those who would persecute you and just keep on going with the Lord and just stay happy in the Lord. Here's the thing. Sometimes people think, well, maybe, maybe they wouldn't be as envious if I, you know, didn't have much. Let me tell you this right now. If you said, you know, in order to be humble or sweet, I'm not even going to wear shoes. I'm going to walk around barefoot. You would still have people that would be envious and that would persecute you because, you know, maybe you cut your toenails and maybe they think, well, if you're really humble, you would let them grow long like an eagle or like a wild animal. You know, you, there are just people that are out there. You can't please them. They're not happy. They're, they're upset. They're jealous. They wish they could have what you have. They would never admit that, but that's the truth. They wish they could experience the blessing that you have. They would never admit that, but it is true. So they're envious. And really what it is, they're just frustrated with their own lives. But you keep on going and walk in the blessing of the Lord. Because they're going to they're gonna persecute you, give you a hard time, whether you're blessed or whether, you know, you're just 
trying to live as moderate as you can. So you might as well let the Lord go ahead and bless you and be happy and enjoy the goodness of the Lord. But don't let these things throw you. Get prayed up. And it, it, when you do that, that stuff will, it will run off of you like some of these animals, uh, we have a terrier, and uh, she's a wonderful little dog, a little, uh, she's a Welch terrier, but she has um, glands in her body that secrete oil, and the oil kind of works into the, uh, the fur, and so she's almost, in a sense, like waterproof, and she's, she's made for that. That's what her breed does, you know, chases, uh, uh, she's a small dog, but chases these things that would be involved with water and stuff like that. So she's, she's like a waterproof dog because it just kind of, it, it won't soak into her. Same way with the Holy Spirit. When you get real prayed up, those things that are set out there, you don't even pay attention to them. You just keep on going. If something is said that you do hear or see, it just, it just rolls off of you. It will not penetrate. You're impervious to it. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people, blessing and strength and joy. Lord, let them to continue to be lifted up by your strength and your grace into the high places, the high calling that you have for them. We thank you, Father God, that just even, even as you counsel the psalmist of Psalm 37, verses 1 and 2, where you told the psalmist, don't fret or be envious of evil workers and those doers of iniquity who seem like they're prospering and have such a good time because they're all going to pass away and the wicked will be removed from off the earth. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we refuse to allow envy or jealousy to affect us and our assignment and our calling. And we, we refuse also to let envy or jealousy be something that would try to rise up in us. So, Father, we give you praise. We thank you in the name of Jesus for your grace and strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take communion together today. I think one of the ways that we can guard our hearts from envy is always uh, love, support, and encourage, and push others onward in their call and in their assignment from the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I think one of the reasons people get into envy is they think, well, that person's doing so well, they're doing so well actually takes away from me being blessed. That's never true. Every, everybody can be blessed. Everybody can be prospered. God's got enough prosperity for everybody. When I told the story about Dr. Daniels and how God was prospering him by selling all of these houses, he actually created a phenomenal market where he began to move from selling and began to move over into building houses, and he sold them just as fast as he could build them. Well, now that he's focused on this, that just allowed more. It, it, he actually created more prosperity for all the other realtors, and the other, the other realtors who were envious eventually realized that. Wait, wait a minute. He's actually creating more opportunities for us. He's not taking opportunity away. He's actually creating more and he was just and still is a great man of God a phenomenal wealth creator by the anointing of the Spirit of God upon him but don't be envious because you think they have a lot their gain is somehow like causes me to have loss that that's that's a very carnal way of thinking that's actually a socialist way of thinking God's got more than enough for everybody praise the Lord so tie into the Lord and be happy 
be happy, encourage others. I really enjoyed uh, one of these past Olympic track and field races, uh, one of these men's events where there was an American, he crossed the finish line, won this event that had not been won by an American, I think, for like 102 years or something like that. So he, the American crosses the finish line first, and he's overjoyed, ecstatic, really, that he won. He wasn't expected to win, but he won. And, you know, he was he's a great athlete, so he won first place. But the guy who finished third, who got the bronze medal from Australia, came right up behind him with such joy and congratulated him and put his hands on his shoulders and was so, I mean, you could see on camera that this guy who got third was sincerely happy for the guy that won because he knew it was a great moment in that guy's life. And he was a young guy, too, that won first place. I found that later, of course, the guy that got third, that got the bronze medal, is a rock solid Christian that loves God with all of his heart. So when you really do love the Lord, you just want to push others towards their calling, towards their destiny, and get behind them. There's no need to be envious. God's got blessing for everybody. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it. We bless it now in the name of Jesus. We thank you. This is the flesh and the blood of our Savior who has redeemed us from all sin, sickness, disease, poverty, and spiritual death. Father, we receive the body of Jesus now with great thanksgiving. With great thanksgiving, let us be people that diffuse envy with love and with kindness, but with also confidence of who we are in you. We thank you for your blessings. We give you all the praise. On we go with you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 1, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. You don't need to, en you don't need to envy anybody in an unrighteous way. You just don't need to do that. Well, Pastor Stephen, that person's a sinner. They're not even serving God, and they've got billions and billions of dollars. Don't worry about it. Verse 2, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Praise the Lord. We're serving the Lord. We're going to live with the Lord forever. We're heaven bound. Hallelujah. We don't need to envy them. They need to look at us and say they've got what we need. <laughs> Hallelujah. We've got the gospel, the eternal gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive it by faith now with thanksgiving. Let's drink and receive. Amen. Praise God in closing. If you're watching today's program and you think, Pastor Stephen, I've enjoyed today's message, but I feel convicted and you realize you've never given your heart to Christ, then I would like to give you an opportunity right now to make Jesus your Lord and your personal Savior. If you've never asked Him into your heart, please pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you as a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me with your precious blood. I give my life to you. Write my name in your book of life right now. I believe that you were crucified at Calvary, that you were placed in the tomb, and that you rose three days later. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and save me now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. If you've prayed that prayer, I would love to hear from you. Please email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. We rejoice, and the heavens, the angels rejoice in your salvation today. My friends, thanks for watching.